Hey everyone, this is Parks Miller for Culture Dumps. Right where we left off with E. True Dumpy Wood Story, <laughs> Hervé Villachez. Yes. With my co-host, Ryan Lichten. Yeah. So where we left off last week, Hervé, you know, born into war-torn France, makes his way to the most, you know, the highest level of paintership you could get in France at the time. He was the youngest person to be, you know, to have artwork displayed in the Musée de Paris. He also suffered through countless, you know, surgeries of all different kinds of crazy experiments, basically, to make him tall, none of which worked. And then he moved to New York, where, you know, continued to make a splash in the, in the art world there, eventually getting married, then divorced, then, you know, doing Broadway, finally films, and now we're at the uh, harrowing conclusion. But there's some good stuff here, too. It's not all sad. Where it ends in, in, ends in Hollywood. Yeah. It always ends in Hollywood. dreams go to die. It always starts and ends here, baby. Die. Yeah. Yeah. So. You, I love Hollywood so much. This is actually, like, one of the stories that makes me love living in Hollywood so much. Like, everyone hates it. I get it. But fuck you. You're wrong. It's like, dude, there is like, it's disgusting. It's dangerous. There, and you can't spit without hitting some piece of pop culture history. Like our co, you know, our sometimes co-host Adam Papagan always told me, you know, Hollywood history is world history. Like, like if something happens here, yes, it'll make the news because it's a local thing. But people in fucking Japan are going to hear about it. Like if it has to do with a celebrity. But I just love you, the idea. This is definitely your type of dump. Hervé. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> someone who's kind of maybe doomed from the start, uh, born with a rough upbringing, rough life. Burns the candle at uh, both ends. Burning the candle at both ends, kind of a triumph story, but then immediately squanders it on booze <laughs> and women. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is perfect. This is this reads Ryan all up and down. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't get enough of it. Uh, now, before we continue, though, we would like to point out that Hervé's life story has been reported in several different ways, depending on Hervé's mood at the time of the interviews. In some interviews, he paints himself as a superstar ladies' man, and in others, as a sad clown. The most accepted version of his life story was written by British journalist, now filmmaker, Sasha Gervasi, who interviewed Hervé in 1993. And Gervasi's coverage of Hervé Villachez was our biggest reference for this episode. Uh, he's the one that wrote the film My Dinner with Hervé, which, you know, follows that, that whole story. But we'll talk more about that uh, towards the end here. Now, Hervé Villachez is best known for two roles. The first of those two is his portrayal as the evil henchman Knickknack in 1974's James Bond film The Man with the Golden Gun. And Nick Knack was a particularly unique character because though he was a dwarf, he was also a force to be reckoned with. And, you know, he was the right-hand man of one of the franchise's most memorable villains, who I believe was played by Christopher Lee. Now, the yeah. movie is like... Yeah, that is supposed to be a really bad one. Like, this is like a low point in the Bond franchise. I don't see how. This is like one of the best ones that everyone knows because of Hervé. It's because of Hervé and the gun itself. It's... I watched, I haven't seen all of it, and I think people said that it was because they were experimenting with making it more funny, like a lot more comic. Yeah, he like shoves uh, him in a suitcase at one point and like throws him into the ocean or something. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? There, there is actually this, the, the one of the scenes I saw, There's the, and there's like a very kind of like 
Bayou, Louisiana sheriff guy who's like got a <laughs> mouth full of dip. But there's this one scene that's actually really incredible. It's this really great car chase scene. And they do like a f car flip. Like the car like goes through like a curved ramp so oh, that yeah. when it hits it, it does a flip. And you're watching it and you're like, this is way before CGI. This looks re like this is a real stunt. It's rather incredible. But then they, uh, in the film, they like overdub this like, like sound <laughs> over it. it. And I was just like, wow, they took this like incredible like action sequence and just added like a goofy Three Stooges sound. So I feel like that's maybe where people we're getting that criticism. Right. Also probably because, you know, James Bond is like, it's so famous for having these henchmen like Jaws and Baron Semity and like, get, like, um, uh, odd, odd job, job and, you know, guys like that. And then it's like, Oh, who's it going to be in this one? And it's fucking, it's knickknack, <laughs> you know, yeah. but everyone ended up loving them. You know, I mean, fuck dude. Do you remember though? Like, okay. I can't remember if you could be knickknack in 007 Goldeneye for Nintendo 64. I know you could be odd job. Cause I was always odd. I job. don't remember, but um, dude playing Goldeneye yeah. like against your friends with the golden gun was like some of the most like high anxiety. Cause like oh, once you, once you look at your friend's one, screen, one shot. Yeah. yeah one yeah, shot yeah, kills. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Like mm -hmm. the, the whole movie is like this really rich guy does like this kind of most dangerous game thing where you can like throw down like a bunch of money or whatever and like hunt each other. But the thing is, is he has a golden gun and like the golden gun will get you no matter what kind of a thing. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, that's where it came from. Yeah. So like I will say, this is what I'll say about most of the James Bond movies is like, there's all these really iconic moments throughout the franchise, but it's like you don't really need to ever watch a James Fuck Bond no. movie start to finish anymore because there's tons of filler. So like, yeah, this one's got the Golden Gun. This has got Knick Knack, Hervé, you know, fully loaded. Like Moon, <laughs> like Moon Ray. There's there's the other one, Hervé fully loaded. There's, <laughs> oh, is that what, he's like I get to act with Lindsay Lohan. Send me up. <laughs> I feel like you were setting me up for that. No, but you know. <laughs> You know, like Moonraker's got Jaws. It's like he has sex in zero gravity. But like a lot of them, except for maybe like a couple, like you don't need to see the whole fucking movie. No, they're stinkers, dude. Okay, here's the thing about James Bond movies. Jack of all trades, master of none. It's like there's there's a memorable scene from each of them, but none of them are memorable. You know, it's like, yeah, and exactly. you know, and you know that because like fucking look at like Paul McCartney did live and let die. It's like everyone knows that like that song it did way better than the fucking movie. You know, right. I mean, that movie had all the voodoo stuff, which is probably a little questionable if you watch it now. <laughs> um, but I do remember some of that environment being cool. Yeah, because I feel like these we're getting on a James Bond tangent, but well, that's all right. I feel like those those movies were always just about. Like, what's some cool shit that we can do that's never been done before? As opposed to, like, let's make a good movie. Like, all the movies, it's like, yeah, he's a bad guy, and he, like, bangs a couple broads, and one of one of the chicks he bangs is bad. And, and a henchman's hiding and in his hotel him. room, but he doesn't know. Right, but it's usually like, okay, so now we just discovered this new helicopter technology. Can we, like, safely like implement like a helicopter fight over a mountain or something like that's yeah. what the movies are about. And so there's, all, there, there is cool action scenes, but it's all, and there's tons all right. of babes. 
But yeah, anyway, the the best thing that James Bond ever did besides uh, having Hervé Villachez as a bad guy is 007 Goldeneye, the video game. That's <laughs> that's that's where we'll let that lay. Now, Hervé's appetite for vice was well known to those close to him, but soon his conquests and attempted conquests, along with his partying, became the stuff of Hollywood legend. Hervé's co-star and the man with the golden gun, Roger Moore, has been quoted several times talking about how insane Hervé was during the filming of the movie. He was constantly on the town, hitting nightclubs when he wasn't needed on set, pounding bottles of wine, and just about every woman he encountered was subject to increasingly lewd behavior. Like, he's he's taking full advantage. He, I think they filmed in, like, I want to say Thailand or something. Um, you know, where, like, their money was just worth so much more in that country. So Hervé's just like, fuck it. And he kept going out and just coming back, doing his, like, couple minutes of shooting. And then he's like, okay, see you guys later. And then getting wasted again. And Roger Moore said that uh, he literally told him at one point, he's like, I wouldn't even touch him because he's diseased. And, like, Hervé would, like, come and try and shake his hand. He's like, don't touch yeah. me. You're diseased. Not, and everyone not, thought, yeah, like. Yeah, not because of his height, right. but because of. Because he's yeah, probably I fucking he, diseased. A diseased sex maniac with unnatural lusts. So at this point, we're starting, <laughs> starting to get a little uncomfortable because, The guy playing you know, James Bond is saying that the fucking li- the dwarf henchman is, like, too pussy hungry. <laughs> it was just a character, Ryan. I know, but, like, come on. <laughs> um, I, I never really took Roger Moore to be, you know, the, the most... Not uh, my Bond. L- lusty. <laughs> not my bond <laughs> not oh, my bond yeah no I'm, um, I'm, I'm connery or bras dude bras daddy uh bras is great yeah. but yeah i think i think that that you know that's getting a little uncomfortable because now it's like he's getting drunk all the time and now he's just kind of uh, you know he's just like being forceful on the set and yeah you know, it yeah. It seems super uncomfortable. It's it's well, and that and you know his co-star Mary Warnoff, who's interviewed in the E True Hollywood Story, she said that like it wasn't uncommon for him to like like oh let me just crawl into your bed and like like they'd be like oh you're crazy Hervé like thinking like oh this little guy's like crawling in my bed like a little rug bug and then like it's not no rug bug you know like then it would get serious like once he was there and he was like constantly propositioning women and roger moore actually gave him like um i think it's like herpes medication but some kind of cream for stds like as like a rap gift after the film was done filming he's just like here uh, here you go bud and yeah like i love that he said he had an unnatural attraction to women which is hilarious now the film was a smash and Hervé was an instant star the film even played in france and for the first time his family was able to see just how far he had come. The problem was, despite the popularity of Hervé's character, there just weren't enough opportunities for a 3-foot, 11-inch tall Frenchman. Uh, he did occasionally work on Sesame Street, operating Oscar the Grouch's feet on the rare times. I didn't even know that Oscar the Grouch had feet because he's always in a trash yeah. can. But I guess mm-hmm. every once in a while they would show his feet and uh, that'd be a little, you know, that'd be Hervé in there working the little green feet. Now, once again, Hervé's lifestyle surpassed his income and he found himself living in a boarding house on the wrong side of Hollywood, surrounded by drug addicts and alcoholics. It was not uncommon for his roommates to pass out on the front steps of the building or in the hallways. And that was the exact scene that the delivery man carrying a script that would once again bring Hervé into the spotlight stumbled upon. Now, Hervé, he also lived in a car before this. 
This is Parks Miller with Culture Dumps. And if you've been enjoying the numerous topics that we cover and the episodes that we do all the time, please, please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes. The five-star reviews really help us get up on more potential listeners' pages, and it can really help us expand our listenership. So please consider giving us a five-star review. We'll love you forever for it. Keep on dumping. Mm. I'm gonna I, I wanna back up. I just I was doing a little reading about Goldeneye. Real the the video game. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's it sounds like there might have been a because conf- there was odd job, but I and I don't remember this, but apparently odd job was really short in the game. He was. I remember that. And so so there think there's a possibility that Rare, the company that made Goldeneye, was like confusing the two. Which is which would be racist if Hervé was actually Asian, which most because, people think he was. But they, but I guess like he did have a top hat. Uh, yeah, but, Odd Job had a hat because uh, that's uh, what he would throw. He would throw his hat. Remember? Right, right. Um, Random task from Austin Powers would throw his uh, his his shoe. Right, but Odd Job was yeah a tall person. So yeah. Tall, taller tall. than Hervey. So maybe that's what it was. Yeah. 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 Taller than Hervey. That, that, that's that's for damn sure. Um, yeah. Hervey. He also apparently he didn't. Uh, he couldn't afford a bed, so he used like kind of like a larger dog bed. And this is like, I mean, dude, there's fucked up like boarding type and like halfway houses in Hollywood now, but I can't imagine like middle of the 70s when it's extremely grimy out here. And of course, being Hervey Villache is like. You were the most recognizable Bond villain, you know, ever. And you're living in this house with all these scary fucking, like, derelicts. It's, like, super fucked yeah, up. But, that's, yeah, the, the messenger that came to Hervey gave him a script for a new show titled Fantasy Island that had a role specifically written for him by the show's creator, TV Wonderman Aaron Spelling. And upon receiving the script, Hervey apparently broke into tears, overcome with happiness. But this appreciation and humbleness would be short-lived. Now, I didn't I, I just oh, I, I didn't write that friggin- away on you're purpose. You're doing a little e. I didn't do it on purpose. It was short-lived, but I'm like, fuck, like I get I can't, you know, that's the power of you context, folks. Emphasized <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and um, emphasize it. Yeah, emphasis. I've never seen Fantasy Island. It's cool. You know, it, it's it's uh, a it's a it's a fucking fun shitty 70s show, but I love the idea of like them giving the script to this delivery guy and they have to like track down where Hervey is. And it was all hearsay. It's like, well, I heard he was living in his car last I talked to him. It's like, oh, I haven't talked to him since he left to, to man with the golden gun. Oh, I, and they finally find out it's a boarding house. And they're like, really? And the delivery man is like, he said he had to step over like drunk people that were passed out and like, was kind of just like walking through this labyrinth of like, fucked up people, terrible smells, noises, stains, and then gets to the end of the hall and there's Hervé Velachez. This is this is like such like a a movie, you know, like that Absolutely. just that like, you know, you get your high and then you get you go down hit rock bottom and then you're literally in a boarding house just like, oh, I, I don't, no one's called me Hervé. No one's called me that in a long, in a long time. time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, the the messenger, like, 
uh, again, I just like, first of all, just what a crazy <laughs> fucking mission. Like, find the, you know, the little guy from Man with the Golden Gun? He lives in this boarding house for drug addicts. I need you to go give him this script <laughs> about yeah. this, like, fucked up, you know, resort. Now, Hervé was paid $25,000 a week for his appearance on Fantasy Island as the lead sidekick tattoo. And what the show is, Fantasy Island is a, is a, very, very expensive kind of pseudo futuristic resort where say you have a fantasy, you want to, um, you know, be in an old West saloon bar fight, or you want to, you know, find life on Mars or whatever you go to this place. And I, I'm not even sure how they do it, but they put you in like kind of a, a virtual esque version of your fantasy that you bring to this island. And of course, it's like just like making a wish from a genie. Like, it's not always what you planned on, you know, because people die in mm -hmm. Old West shootouts. And, you know, uh, what if the alien, the life form you find on Mars is like the aliens from fucking Alien, you know, and not like cool, cute Martian girls in like silver miniskirts. <laughs> it's like it always right. goes wrong for the people. And Tattoo usually has a little something to do with it, or he knows what the score is. You know, Mis mischievous or something. Yeah, and his a trickster. Yeah, and his catchphrase, which would be at the top of every episode when the plane with the the resort, you know, visitors would show up, he'd say the plane, the plane, and you know, announcing that the plane was there, and he'd you know hit a little bell. Now, the combination of his newfound wealth and revived fame went straight to Hervé's head. He was soon up to his old ways once again, going so far as to put a sign on his trailer door saying, Doctor of Sexology, and the doctor is in. <laughs> like, uh, that is like the cor corniest. <laughs> <laughs> See, but like he would get away with that shit because he was a little, it's like he meant it. And like he was like right. slapping fucking women's asses and being crude and like, like hey, I don't know if you know this, but I am a doctor and it's of sex, so come and I'll bang you with this medicine in my, my dick. But like, oh yeah, god, he, and I mean maybe it was the seventies, so it wasn't. Also, <laughs> was yeah, joking. just like it was a little more swinging, you know. Maybe you know we've had fifty years of extra of that joke. Also. And I've already know the answer to this question, but like sexology sounds like a fake thing. Like, like I a know Prince it's album. It sounds real, but like sexology doesn't sound real. No, <laughs> it does sound like a Prince album. Uh, it yeah, sounds well, completely made up. Also, the funny part about that sign is uh, the people that worked with them on like the producers and stuff said that like when he would leave set, like he would take the sign down and like when he would come back and get his trailer, he'd put it up like literally, like, oh, the doctor's in. Like it he'd wasn't just like, something he left I, up, like he used it. I as, got like, 30 actual... minutes for lunch. <laughs> like I can bust a nut three times. Yeah, let's let, go. yeah, let me put this sign up first so everyone knows I'm willing to practice my sexology on you. Now, Hervé... Oh, he, I feel like, yeah, that's a little depraved. But this that's is also <laughs> th this is also when the drinking starts becoming a problem. He began consuming mm -hmm. up to two bottles of wine a day. And he would just say, like, there's a great clip of, like, when they told him uh, on the set of Fantasy Island, like, you can't drink on set anymore. Like, it's becoming a problem. You're starting, you know, you're, you're, you're drunk all the time. Like, what the fuck? And you're being crude. Uh, and he would say, you know, it's difficult for me because I am a Frenchman. It's like like you have to drink wine like if you're French like yeah like all the time exactly. like problem drink you have to like it's like a, it's a necessity but Hervé he wasn't nasty all of the time he also had a huge heart 
literally and figuratively. He was, I had to, it's so fucked up. But uh, he was very involved in chair. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's been a while. We got to get the lead out, you know, and, and do some, uh, some nasty jokes. Anyways, he was very involved in charities supporting abused and at-risk youths. There are dozens of instances of Hervé taking in wayward youths and giving them a fresh start. He also openly discussed suicide prevention in televised interviews. That's huge because all anyone wants to talk to this guy about is like, okay, you're small. What's that like? Uh, you must have a lot of money now. You getting any girls? Like everyone's interviewing him like he's six years old, but he's a grown ass man that's been banging forever. And like he gets drunk and parties and rides around in his own limo and he's being treated like that's so crazy. Like you want a little kiss on the cheek from one of like the gals in the audience? Like kind of thing. And he'd be like, you know, I often think about killing myself. <laughs> and everyone's like, Jesus. You know, yeah. it's like very depressing, but it was very important to him. Well, that's the because he that's was so depressed. Part of it. Yeah, it's like you. I mean, I guess that's part of where it is. Is that you just kind of you have to get over the assumption that like this this even though he's a child's height, he's not a child. Well, you know, no, like no that's he what, certainly doesn't. That's act like one like of the it. most. Yeah, but that's one of the most fundamental. Like that's why it's. I think that's why it's so unsettling or strange. People is just because it's not just like. It's just because it is also the height of what of children, you know, and so you kind of, <laughs> uh, even though you know you shouldn't, you just like us kind of assume that they're gonna like be like a kid in some way, right? Well, and that's just the way it was back then, especially, you know, it's like it was, again this novelty shit, and it's really starting to kind of fuck with them now. During the filming of the second season of Fantasy Island, Hervé fell in love with a stand-in actress named Camille Hagen. The two were married on September 5th, 1980. 1980 was a big year for Hervé. Besides the wedding, he also released this killer fucking song. Why do people have to fight? Why don't they learn to do what's right? You got to watch the video of him performing that song, by the way. It is like they do like really weird, like, you know, primitive kind of artsy editing. So it's like, look, now there's two of them. And now we're like smashing this together. But it's him just being like, do do. That's right. And uh-huh. <laughs> also, yeah. I love how positive his songs are. Like he's not doing like disco or anything. These are like fucking ballads. Uh, I, I want to play another quick sample of a song because he only released two songs and they, it was on it was on like a 45 so it was like double sided this is the B side it's called When a Child is Born of hope flickers in the sky a tiny star lights up way up high all across the land down a brand new moon this comes to 
Cable, Toast and Tone. This comes to pass when a child is born. Very, uh, very heavy. <laughs> heavy topics, you know. He just wanted to make the world a better place and get laid and drink wine. So I think I think these songs I was aware, like I forgot I knew about these, and it was like a fever dream, like that video <laughs> of the first. And I was like, did that really happen? But it I'm did. sure that's it like a lot that. of like memories people have of her, like especially during his New York like crazy photography days. Like I'm sure there's so many people where they're like, wait, like. We did a lot of acid back then, but do you remember this right, little, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, I'm just making sure I'm not crazy. So the newlyweds yeah. moved into a ranch in the San Fernando Valley in Southern California, where they rode horses, raised chickens and fought a lot. And according to, <laughs> yeah, according to ranch hands, um, Camille's kind of like Trump card over Herve was she would just pick him up and he would freak the fuck out like kick his legs scream um he would uh, like yell out for his ranch hands to come help him from his like young wife who is picking him up i want to play a quick sample this is i believe his name is odell um but he's one of the ranch hands that was hired at herve villachez's fucking san fernando ranch who he would call out for for help i was up there working for him one day and they was around in the front yard and he kept hollering for me and hollering so i went around there and she had him up in her arms. He says, Odell, make her turn me loose. She, it would humiliate him because his wife was picking him up. When you watch the video of him telling that, he's wearing, like, fucking overalls. He's, like, a big Farmer John-looking guy, and he's with this, like, little, you know, ranch hand old lady, and they're both, like, giggling, like, oh, it's the cutest thing. But really, like, that's super dark, and there's, like, it's this really domestic violence shit. Yeah. It's re- that's highly dysfunctional. Yeah. And oh I, man. I think a lot of a lot of the turmoil came from the fact that, you know, he was starting to ramp up his his social work a lot. And she didn't like that. A because he was spending time away from home and she knew she couldn't trust him because she had seen the way he acted on set. And also, you know, he he's spending money that she felt like should be theirs, you know, on these teens that needed help. So that that's where a lot of the fighting kind of had its roots in. Now, by 1982, the marriage between Hervé Velichez and Camille Hagen had ended. Camille had stuck around just long enough to be able to take almost everything from Hervé. Hervé never attempted to get any of his money or property back as he felt it wasn't right to fight with your wife in a courtroom. Which, I mean, Oof. A, you were totally taken advantage of because Oof. it was like a year and yeah. four months that they were together, I believe. Like, so she waited, like, until after at least a year, so it can't be like, oh, well, you were only with him for the fucking, you know, for the piece of paper that said you were married to divorce him. Like, she waited just long enough, and then, like, but he's just so, like, kind of heartbroken and felt so taken advantage of it. It's just like, just fucking take it, you know, just, like, defeated. Oh, uh, yeah, but, I mean, that's, oh, that's rough. That's yeah. so rough. But he also thought that the gravy train wasn't ever going to stop because he was riding so high with all this shit that's going on with him. So I'm sure it was just like, fuck it, take it. Like, I'll just make more money. But, you know, that's uh, we'll see. That's not really. But he, how, how yeah, but he was really bad. He didn't spend his money well at all. No, so it's it's starting to get pretty dark. Yeah. 
Now, even though Hervé didn't want a legal fight, according to a January 19, 19- January 19th, 1982 edition of the National Enquirer, he and his now ex-wife Camille loved to have physical fights. The article alleged that Hervé kept his wife locked in a room and even attempted to shove her and stuff her body into a fucking chimney. And most people that knew him, knew her, the people that worked on the ranch, they're like, that's fucking bullshit. She would pick him up for Christ's sakes, you know, and he would like scream like, put me down, put me down. Like, and she's talking about this guy's trying to like going to put her in a fucking chimney. Like, I don't, I, I'm sure that there was physical altercations, no doubt. I'm sure she picked him up. He smacked her, which, you know, is, is awful on its own. Right. But I think that she was really trying to get a payday from the tabloids because how salacious, you know, the little guy from fantasy Island, like, you know, beating this right. beautiful young bride. But yeah, most people, call bullshit on on a lot of that especially the locking her in a room and doing things that like you would need to physically be able to overpower someone to do which he just couldn't right you know it's, it's just not possible he did have he did love his knives he, he he had you know he did love his knives and he and he definitely loved and, guns and so guns i'm sure that that Who came in, in, into play as well but I think we would know if he like stabbed her, and I'm sure he brandished him at her 100%. But I, I, I don't think he ever actually like, cut her or anything. But after the dust of the divorce settled, the then 39-year-old village has now broke, despite his role on a hit TV show, began to grow bitter. He felt that because, in a sense, he was the face of the show, he deserved as much money as the show's star, Ricardo Monteblon. Hervé also began missing work, and his drinking had gone from social and fun to a serious problem. It was April of 1983 that Hervé would film his final episode of Fantasy Island. His behavior could no longer be tolerated, and he was fired from the show. The show just kept going, I think, for, like, several more seasons. But, like, why bother without Hervé? You know, even though he was only, like, you waited for him to show up. Like, that was the whole thing. The plane, the plane. Like, that was, right. that's the whole thing. No one gave a shit about anything else. Now, Hervé's parting didn't slow down after Fantasy Island. In fact, it increased. Friends of Hervé have described sleepless nights fueled by wine, where he would watch tapes of Fantasy Island over and over, cursing Aaron Spelling. That's dark. Oh. Like, Hervé Villachez in a dark room with all these, like, production tapes of the show that he just was on that made him, a, like, the biggest star he was ever going to be, and just... Pounding wine, being, you motherfucker, are you spelling? You know, uh, like it's yeah, that's, fucking brutal. Dude. It's getting yeah. Now it's it's all downhill from here. The bright side, though, of his departure from Fantasy Island was that he found more time for his charity work. One group that Hervé joined was known as Liga, which is, uh, I believe, Spanish for league. And that was a band of doctors who would fly to third world countries and perform corrective surgeries on deformed children. Now, I find that interesting because Hervé went through so many attempted corrective surgeries as a child. Maybe that's why, because apparently, like, I mean, obviously he's no doctor or surgeon, but there's a story of them going to like some, you know, poverty stricken country in, in South America, a little village. And there was this little girl with this like horrendous hair lip. And the doctor's like, Oh, we can fix that. Like, that's like, this is what we do. And there was no hospital in the village. There was nowhere. So they went into the only hotel that had a pool table in the lobby. They're like, we know that they have a pool table there. And Hervé like held the little girl while the doctors without anesthesia operated on her and fixed, fixed her face. Like, and he was Jesus. all about that. Yeah. And he, like, he was flying around with these guys, like doing shit like that. I mean, it's fucking like, what a life, you know what I mean? That yeah, this, I mean, this I, guy lived. 
I guess you could like, may, I mean, maybe if, you know, even though he wasn't successfully, you know, cured from corrective surgery, but that could have also been one of those things you're like, well, but if only I was or something. Yeah. It, also, sure like, I know what it's like to be a the, kid going through this. Yeah. So I can, mm-hmm. you know, and also, I mean, little kids loved him. There's all this great footage. I don't know what it's from, but like, yeah, all this footage of him walking with like, like a gang of children and they kind of look like a street gang and he's like the boss, but like kids loved him, yeah. which is interesting because in uh, surreal life, the season with Vern Troyer, he says that kids are terrified of him, and there's this challenge where the cast has to babysit a bunch of kids. And, like, sure enough, like, the kids see Vern Troyer and are like, what the fuck? Probably because Vern Troyer was kind of more, like, baby-esque, not to, like, yeah. be too fucking crass about it. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it, it was a different kind of different kind of little person, <laughs> we'll, we'll just say. He, yeah. Now, he her- was, I mean, he, he didn't have... He he was always bald, so that kind of right. Actually, dude, I mean, he was the stunt double in uh, Baby's Day Out. Vern Troyer was like as a baby, oh. yeah. But uh, but Hervé, he was like a badass little disco guy with like a fucking open lapel fucking shirt and like belt buckles and guns in his waistband and gold rings and limos and getting BJ's and doing coke and stuff, you know. So it's a little bit of a different uh di- different aesthetic. Now Hervé's life took a dark turn in the spring of 1984 when he started receiving violent threats over the phone on a regular basis. The caller would threaten to kill Hervé and told him that he was being watched at all times. A deeply frightened Hervé purchased several firearms, one of which, a small pistol, would be carried with him at all times. And that would continue for the rest of his life. And it's believed that the caller was actually the spouse of a chick that Hervé had banged. And uh, he hired a lawyer because he's like, I don't know how to handle this, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, what, like how, you know, he just like got a lawyer on retainer just in case, you know, he, he needed it. And the lawyer said something to him like like i don't think you have anything to worry about it's been a while since the call stopped maybe you should stop carrying around a gun and Hervé pulls the gun out and puts it in the lawyer's face and said like your mouth is your weapon because you're a lawyer but this gun this is my weapon and like the guy's just like fuck like that's uh that's some very john wayne sounding shit as we mentioned he yeah, he, he learned how to talk. Very possibly yeah. learn how to speak English watching John Wayne movies. Yeah, and... watching westerns. That's yeah, it. Yeah, that. So, Ooh. along with his mental state, his physical health was deteriorating. Hervey's organs had grown so much over the years that they were putting an immense amount of pressure on his rib cage. Soon, the fading star needed to take upwards of 25 pills daily. According to his last girlfriend, Kathy Self, Hervey would regularly throw up blood, usually around 11 a.m. every day. Like, like he would like, she said that he would go to the bathroom, throw up blood and then be like, must be 11 a.m. <laughs> like, oh, God. Yeah. And 25 pills a day. Oh. And, and he had to take them all at different times. So he would travel around with like this leather briefcase that was just like a pharmacy. But he needed all that stuff. It wasn't like he was like abusing him. Uh, the drugs, it's kind of a weird instance where the drugs were actually abusing him. You know, it's like he needed to take this stuff. But taking that many pills just wears you down. And I mean, mm-hmm. if his organs are already too big, like all the drinking he's doing, plus all the pills is engorging his liver and that's, you know, causing him pain every minute of his life unless he takes more pills, which makes him throw up more blood. And it's just this cyclical fucking mm. vicious thing. And to make matters worse, Hervey's job offers had dried up. 
His reputation had squandered any opportunities he might have had. With the exception of a Dunkin' Donuts commercial where he literally, like, the guy's like, what kind of donut you want? He's like, the plain, the plain. <laughs> he doesn't think he wants a plain donut. Uh, uh. He also did other quick gigs here and there, but Hervé was living off of residuals and had to sell his ranch in 1989. He then moved into a small rented house in North Hollywood. The residuals were like, I think it was like 500 bucks a week, but that's, I mean, which... Sounds like a lot, you know, like for for that time, if you're living modestly, but with everything that yeah. he, and, and now with all of his health stuff, that's eating up all, all, like all of his shit, you know, he owed on the ranch, like just everything is starting to fall apart. You would need more than that. Absolutely. Well, to live like the star that he felt like, you know, he deserved to live like. Now, Villachez took a few small roles here and there over the next few years in projects such as Shelley Duvall's Fairy Tales, The Ben Stiller Show, and The Larry Sanders Show. Yeah, I watched The Ben Stiller Show sketch. I love The Ben Stiller Show. I don't think uh, I ever watched it. It's The Ben Stiller Show is very funny to me. I think it's really great. Um, Janine Garofalo is in it. Uh, Andy Dick is in it. Andy oh, Dick boy. is great. Oh, um, boy. <laughs> He's pretty good. I mean, Dump not a great stretch, but he, you know. But anyway, um, but Hervé is plays himself, and Ben Stiller has this character of this like obnoxious fan guy who's just like say the line, like say the line. Oh my god! You know, come on, come on, say the line. And uh, I don't know. I felt like in some ways, at least, uh, I don't know. It, it felt like there was this kind of were acknowledgement of maybe where he was at the time. So though it was still comedy and it still kind of seemed like maybe sympathetic to some degree. Well, it, it's like, like it's like, very meta because, you know, he's it was a very like, meta sketch, like out on the streets, like all anyone saying to him is, oh, say it, say it. And he often would, yeah. you know, like if right. he wasn't too wasted and like would go go off on people and pull knives and shit, he would do it. And he loved his fans. But it's interesting that like the only work he could get was as himself being recognized for that one role. It's like it never stops you know, yeah, for, for this right, guy. Right, right, Um, But his final act, if you will, was a meeting with British journalist Sasha Gervasi in 1993. What was supposed to be a quick where are they now puff piece became one of the wildest party stories in Hollywood history. This is what the movie is based on, My Dinner with Hervé. And, of course, there's things that happen where you're like, there's no way that that happened. Like, for instance, they visit the Fantasy Island set at one point, like, uh, on this night out. Like, there's no way. Um, And the whole thing is that, you know, this journalist, he's down on his luck, and uh, they give him this big story. I think he's supposed to interview, like, Gore Vidal or something. And they're like, but first, you have to uh, interview Hervé Velichez, the guy from Fantasy Island and Man with the Golden Goat. He's like, what? They're like, yeah, just, you know, where are you now kind of kind of thing. Like, you know, so we scheduled that. And Hervé just keeps him, like, fucking basically chained down with this interview that he misses his big shot interview. He goes on this wild ride. Like, Hervé, you know, he's cracking open oysters. He's shucking his own oysters at this table with his own little knife, which like he holds, he, which he holds to the fucking guy. And then he's like, you want the real story? Meet me at my hotel. It's blah, blah, blah. And he does. Uh, and Hervey has a fucking limo. But according to the description in the article, the limo was like, like very well broken in, like, like seats are ripped up. Like it's dented, it's dirty, but it's like, it's his limo that he can afford. And he gets in there and he has this big thing of pills and he's drinking fucking wine and brandy. And he's like, I'll show you the real time. But before he can get to his story, he keeps like, you know, it's like classic fucking movie shit where it's just like, no, I'll tell you, but first 
strip club. And I guess the strip mm, club they went yeah. to in real Stringing life. them along. Right. Like just a party with them. And then like he would give them little bits here and there to shut them up. But now we got to go here. We got to go there. But in real life, they went to Jumbo's Clown Room here in, in Hollywood, which is actually where uh, I believe Courtney Love uh, was a dancer as, as a young gal. But famous, yeah, it, famous joint. Yeah, famous. I haven't been there joint. yet. But, it's uh, all right. I, I was always more of a cheetah, cheetahs guy. I almost said Cheetos guy. I'm definitely a Cheetos guy. But I, I think <laughs> every, I think anyone could guess room. that. But um, anyways, yeah. So you got you check out the movie. It, it's it's great. Um, and Sasha Gervasi, he went on to do like the Alfred Hitchcock movie, and he did like a bunch of really big films. But his autobiographical film is My Dinner with Hervé, uh, starring Peter Dinklage. Now the next few months were the worst of Hervé's life. Due to the pressure his organs were putting on his bones, he was no longer able to sleep on his back. Every day was full of brutal pain and an inconceivable sadness. But his suffering came to an end on September 4th, 1993. Just a couple months after this final blowout interview. It always this, happens guy, like that, you know? Like, it's like he was he was ready. Um, but what I wanted to say is... Um, our our guest host Kaylin, who was on the Thomas Kincaid episode, her mom was actually a nurse in the hospital that Hervey went to in North Hollywood, and said that like mm. he was like constantly like, "Is it time for my bath?" and like like kept oh kept, kept telling the nurses, uh, "quote for my bath, yeah, time for my bath, uh. yeah." But quote, <laughs> dude, scrub it, come on, scrub it. <laughs> like oh man, oh, like God. dude, just never letting it go, never. After attending a screening of The Fugitive with his girlfriend, Kathy Self, Hervé returned home, said goodnight to his girlfriend, and went outside on the back patio. He placed a pillow over his face and then shot himself through it. He died before the paramedics arrived. He left a suicide note, too, which basically said, every day is fucking pain, and I think I've done all I can do. Like, there's really nothing that is making my life worth pushing through this pain for. You know, the jobs have dried up. Yes, I have a girlfriend who loves me, but, like, I'm only making your life an inconvenience, and I know that. Like, no mm. one cares about me anymore. Like, I every day fucking suck. The way he would sleep was he would get on his fucking knees and, like, like almost like a praying stance, like a worship stance or something. And, oh, like, he would man. sleep like that with, like, a pillow propping him up because if he was on his back, it would, like, his organs were too heavy. It's, it's terrifying. But he uh, used a pillow over his face to muffle the sound so he wouldn't wake anyone up or scare anyone. He would just be found kind of, like, stumbled upon as opposed to, like, what was that? Like, kind of a thing. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, he he was still found. They yeah, still he was found, sound. like, yeah, right, right so. after. But uh, he, yeah. he attempted to kind of, like, make it as not anyone's problem as possible. Now, what does it all mean? Well, I guess it means that sometimes life and the universe want you to do well. Sometimes you are presented with signs and opportunities that signify a bountiful future. But sometimes these signs and opportunities are taken for granted. The mentality being, if something great has happened to me before, why wouldn't it happen again? It is important to appreciate what you have. Hervé Velichez definitely appreciated and took advantage of the blessings in his life. The problem was is that he also took them for granted. Maybe it was because of his traumatic youth that he felt he deserved the finer things in life. Who knows? One thing is for sure. Hervé Velichez was truly a one of a kind and the world was lucky to have him. Even though he could be a total fucking creep and nightmare sometimes. And that's what it means to me. Hmm. Yeah, it's sad. This is it's a heavy it's a heavy dump, but it's like yeah. it's perfect though cuz like there's so many celebrities that you could 
you could cover, you know, because of their fall from grace, you know, or, or, or what have you. But there that those celebrities aren't necessarily a dump. Like Hervey was a dump before all the scandal stuff came out because he was like so typecast, you know, and then he was in the Dunkin' Donuts commercial, like doing his thing. Yeah. You know, it's like that's dump territory. There's there's I mean, and f- ironically enough because of the name there's a lot of similarities with tiny tim yeah um and tiny though tiny tim was very large but he tiny tim's appearance uh kind of it created the same novelty freak show effect of like what's this guy's deal he talked funny uh he had a had a moment he didn't have a drinking problem, but he did a People bunch of like People were just as shocked commercial. that Tiny Tim got married <laughs> as they yeah. were when Hervey got married. Exactly. So, yeah, you know, it, and, and both of them. And then, I mean, to a lesser degree, Iz. Uh, yeah. Well, Iz, yeah. I think Iz, Iz was like, a, just seemed like a much, just a really positive person through and through and didn't really have Yeah, Tiny Tim has serious demons. darkness because of his Catholic yeah. fucking like anti kind of like woman like purity fucking weird thing. Yeah. Hervé was a, is, just a, a fucking mess womanizer fucking like alcoholic yeah. like party guy that pulled guns on people and then yeah. is is just uh like just really liked eating. <laughs> really know? wholesome. I mean, yeah, his his health problems did, you know, lead him to an an early death, but yeah, is was super wholesome. But yeah, Hervé, I mean, yeah. Oof, I don't know. Maybe I'll watch Fantasy Island. I don't know. I don't know why yeah, the show just... out. You know, it, it, it's worth checking one out. You know, I it's, maybe the, the Oliver Herve... Stone movie. Oh, Seizure. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. sounds cool. Uh, no, I, I really would re- recommend my dinner with Hervé. Um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's a fun watch, but the E true Hollywood story is the one like that is the fucking piece of visual text to look into. If you want to know more about him or see the interviews and hear him, you know, tell stories himself. So with that being said, folks, we, as always, check out our Patreon. If you want more bonus content, you don't want to wait for new episodes. We also post, you know, early releases and all kinds of stuff there. Patreon.com slash culture dumps. And, you know, follow us on Instagram at culture dumps. Send us emails with suggestions or comments at culture dumps at gmail.com. I'm Ryan Lichten here with Parks Miller. Keep on dumping.